I'm Amanda Olberg, Managing Editor of Education Next. We invite you to join this week's Education Next podcast, available online Wednesday morning each week at educationnext.org. The day-to-day work of state education agencies rarely generates excitement. In fact, it's unusual when education reformers pay it any attention at all. The same might be said for matters of curriculum, which despite being central to what students experience in the classroom, are often an afterthought in discussions of how to improve American education. That's what makes what's been happening of late in the state of Louisiana so remarkable. Under State Superintendent John White, the Louisiana Department of Education has undertaken a suite of reforms that begin with persuading local districts to adopt better curricula, using that as a foundation for improving everything from assessment to teacher preparation. And, as my guest today reports in the latest issue of Education Next, the early success of that effort has grabbed the attention of researchers, foundations, and the chief state school officers of other states. I'm Marty West, editor of EdNext, and I'm joined today by Robert Pondicio, senior fellow at the Thomas B. Fordham Institute and senior advisor to Democracy Prep Public Schools, a charter school network based in Harlem. He's also the author of a new article, Louisiana Threads the Needle on Ed Reform, that will appear in the fall 2017 issue of the journal and is available now at educationnext.org. Robert, welcome to the EdNext podcast. Thanks for having me, Marty. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm uh, excited for this conversation. So why should listeners be paying attention to what's happening in Louisiana? Uh, well, I think Louisiana has has figured out something that the rest of us uh, either think is beneath notice um, or, or or have just historically paid no attention to, which is what kids do all day. Uh, I think there's a bit of a dividing line sometimes. Uh, I mean, I don't want to be the guy who weighs the bloody shirt as a former teacher, but I think a lot of folks in ed policy who do not have that perspective tend to forget uh, how important curriculum and instruction are. We tend to you know manipulate black boxes and talk about things like charters and choice and teacher quality and data. And all of those things are important, mind you. Um, but, but our curiosity sometimes ends at the classroom door. Uh, we either assume uh, or, or we're disinterested in what happens inside the classroom. Or it seems as if a lot of uh, reformers or people who pay attention to questions of policy rely heavily on trying to ensure that the right incentives are in place and they sort of trust that good curricular decisions will be made if that's the case. Would you say, is that one of the reasons that we don't yeah, talk I mean, about this? That's a more benign explanation, I, su- I, I suppose. Yeah, I, I guess you could, and this is a gross oversimplification, but one could, could uh, say that all of ed reform just assumes that we know what to do in classrooms, and now all we need to do is is uh, measure it and reward those who do it well and, and uh, counsel out or punish those who do it poorly. Uh, I, I, you know, I think that, that's a bit naive, honestly. And, I, and let me be, be clear, I don't think anybody actually believes it's, it's, it's as simple as that. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's better to say there's a price to pay for our inattention to curriculum. It's probably, and I think I say this in the article, the, the, the last best unpulled lever in education reform. Uh, and, and it's a cost-neutral one. In other words, we're going to teach something and the cost of good material materials is just as bad as bad materials, so why not uh, uh, err on the side of caution and, and look for um, the, good, the good stuff? And essentially, you're arguing in this article that that's what Louisiana has done. They've started to pay attention to the decisions that school districts are making about which curricula to use, and you argue that they've 
threaded the needle. That's the title of your article. It's referred to in the text. Why do you use that language? What's the challenge facing state-level policymakers in Louisiana and in some other states? Well, I think it's a challenge that faces all of us uh, who are who are not in the classroom, which is uh, curriculum can be uh, a bit of a third rail. I mean, on the one hand, I've just spent several minutes lamenting our inattention to curriculum. On the other hand, it's the least surprising thing in, in, in education. Uh, we have deathless political arguments over what our kids should learn uh, all, all day. Uh, we have a, a constitution that forbids federal intervention in things like curriculum, so, uh, so it devolves to the states. And then at the state level, I, I think we assume some expertise in that local decision-making that may or may not be warranted. So what Louisiana has done, I think wisely so, alluding to threading the needle, is they figured out a way to use incentives, not a cudgel, as it were. They're not mandating uh, curriculum, which states can do. Uh, but again, those of us who've been teachers will tell you that that's not necessarily the best way to go because uh, you, you need to win hearts and minds if you're going to get uh, successful and, and uh, engaged implementation. So what they figured out a way to do is, is to essentially write the playbook on curriculum adoption. Uh, and, and in doing so, uh, it creates a tiering effect. Not, not, I shouldn't say a tiering effect, an actual tiering process where teachers themselves in the state using uh, the state of Louisiana's rubrics uh, are tiering curriculum. Tier 1 means it's you know, highly aligned to standards. Tier 2 means it's approaching standards. Tier 3 means it's, it's not uh, up to standards at all. Um, and, and as you might imagine, Marty, there's a pyramid effect there. So there's very few Tier 1 uh, uh, approved curricula, more Tier 2, a whole bunch of Tier 3. And then the state, through its procurement process, uh, gives incentives for states to, to uh, as Rebecca Kochler, uh, the, the, the number two at the chief academic officer in Louisiana says, to make the right choice the easy choice. So therefore, you're not circumventing local control. Uh, you're honoring local control. You're honoring teachers as the decision makers. You're getting their enthusiastic support because they picked it themselves. Uh, but, but you are kind of, I don't want to say putting your thumb on the scales, but you're creating incentives throughout the system uh, that do indeed make it easy and effective to adopt good curriculum as opposed to mediocre or bad curriculum. So part of it is just the signal provided by the rating system, which, as you say, the ratings are generated by teachers that have been recruited to participate in this process. But it goes beyond that. It's actually sort of easier for districts to uh, procure a curriculum that's more highly rated by the state. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I mean, procurement of materials is a Byzantine process, even in the most uh, well-run school districts. So um, uh, anything that you can do to make that path smooth uh, uh, redounds to the benefit of the of the, the, the district. Uh, the, the other thing that we haven't mentioned that they also do is they're aligning uh, professional development with curriculum. And those of us who've been teachers will tell you uh, what a giant waste of time PD, as we call it, can be. Uh, it, it can be about anything from you know, arcane matters of pedagogy to district policies. It's seldom about what are you going to teach tomorrow. It's seldom about the intellectual preparation that goes into to, to making a, a good lesson a great lesson. So uh, the, the same tiering process, as it were, or, or a similar one, is used for professional development providers now, uh, and, and they are authorized based on their ability to help the teachers in the state of Louisiana teach these curricula. So, so what you end up with is, is a very tightly aligned system with the curriculum, the professional development, the assessment, even some of the teacher training is aligned to what gets actually taught as opposed to uh, some of the other things that, that uh, uh, teacher training and PD tend to be uh, focused on. 
Now, we should be clear, Louisiana's education system remains quite low performing, right? Uh, Despite recent improvements in New Orleans, it generally ranks in the bottom five on pretty much any statewide performance metric you choose to look at. So what evidence do we have that any of this is working, that it's having any effect whatsoever? Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, to be clear, uh, the last thing I want to do is overpromise on this. Uh, I, I'm, I'm less persuaded than, frankly, even some folks in Louisiana are that they can prove it with data. But to your point, they're, they're seeing some encouraging growth in NAEP. Uh, they are seeing, I think, some some good. Uh, again, it's, it's not about uh, pure proficiency, but 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 growth on things like NAEP and and ACT. I believe Louisiana is one of about a dozen states that require uh, every high school uh, um, uh, 11th grader, I believe, to take the ACT. So they're showing good growth there. To me, the more interesting data point is neither of those. It's a RAND study uh, that showed that teachers in Louisiana seem to grasp the standards uh, that they are teaching better than than teachers in, in comparable states. In other words, and this is what got me interested in it, something was happening in the state of Louisiana of all places, to your point, where teachers there uh, were, were measurably savvier about the Common Core standards uh, and what those would look like in terms of curriculum instruction uh, and, and materials. So, it, so right there, something was going on that said, huh, what's Louisiana getting that these other states are not? And it turns out that it is this curriculum-focused series of reforms that uh, that John White, the state superintendent, has launched. Yeah, for me, that was the most intriguing data point that you presented, this RAND study where they were surveying teachers about their practices, trying to see the extent to which they were aligned with the Common Core. And this was not a study designed to sort of evaluate practice in Louisiana. It was just surveying teachers in a number of states transitioning to the Common Core, and Louisiana teachers jumped out, and it's hard to think about what else could could explain that difference. So what are some of the specific practices based on that RAND study or, or your own time there that you think Louisiana teachers are doing differently as a result of these efforts? The most obvious one, I think, to me, uh, and, and this is confirmation bias on my part, because this is something I've, I've, I've spoken and written about for the better part of a decade now, is, uh, and one of the reasons why I like Common Core, was a focus on grade-level re- uh, reading as opposed to leveled reading. In other words, teachers in Louisiana seem to understand uh, the need to, to pitch uh, reading uh, at, a, at a grade level as opposed to the, the, the student so-called just right level or leveled reading. Uh, Tim Shanahan, uh, for those who are interested, has written voluminously over the years about uh, what he calls the myth of leveled reading, and I would refer anybody who's interested in to, to take a look at that. Uh, but one of the things that Common Core was supposed to do quite wisely, I think, uh, was to raise the, 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 the complexity uh, and the variety of, of text that we put in front of students. And again, teachers in Louisiana seem to understand that better or have taken away that message from the Common Core standards uh, to, a, to a significantly higher degree uh, than teachers in other states. Now, you note that with six years on the job, John White is now one of the longest serving chief, chief state school <laughs> officers in, in the U.S. Uh, he's clashed with uh, the Republican governor, Bobby Jindal, over the Common Core. He's clashed with the current governor, John Bell Edwards, who promised to replace him. I understand that he's now working on a month-to-month contract, but has just enough support to avoid removal by the State Board of Education. How important has the stability of leadership that Louisiana has had been to what it's been able to accomplish? 
I'm, I'm a little bit out of my depth on the politics of, of, of state education leaders uh, generally, but I, I, it stands to reason that you know, most of them, you know, going into the job, the best piece of advice they should get is you know, don't buy any green bananas. I mean, they just don't last in these jobs very long. I believe, uh, from memory, Marty, that the average tenure is less than two years. So, so to be one of the longest-running state superintendents, as John White is, has to make a difference for the simple reason that curriculum reform has to be, in, in, in my estimation, um, you, you can't make these rapid changes because you're not going to see rapid changes. This is why I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical uh, about looking for quick results in things like NAEP. Uh, you know, everything I know about uh, language proficiency suggests, uh, for example, that it's a slow-growing plant, uh, that you have to create the curricular conditions that reward, say, investment in background knowledge and vocabulary. But if you're looking for a steady jump or an instant jump in, in test scores on, say, ELA, uh, then, then you should, you'll, you'll end up doing a lot of things that I think are deleterious, like test prep, uh, skills and strategies and whatnot. Uh, so uh, the long, I'm, I'm not answering your question uh, directly, but here, here comes the answer. Forgive me. Uh, you need somebody like a John White, I think, who can, who can use the political, his political capital to keep these things in place over time uh, to, to give schools and districts the political cover they need to make these patient investments in, say, background knowledge and vocabulary that, that uh, will have an effect over time. Uh, I just tend to be inherently skeptical skeptical of any instant short-term uh, raises in test scores, uh, and what's the first thing any new leader at the district level, at the school level, at the state level wants to do is throw out all the old programs and put in new ones. So, so patience is a virtue here, and I just don't know how you get to that point uh, unless you have long-tenured uh, officials like John White. Well, to circle back to where we started the conversation about why education reformers and policymakers often pay little attention to matters of curriculum, um, if it is the case that they take a while to produce results when it comes to student outcomes, despite their importance, you know, one of the reasons they don't receive much attention may be that policymakers are looking for quick wins. They're either looking for quick wins, or the, I think the, the reverse is also true, Marty. In other words, if you are indifferent about this, uh, then it doesn't occur to you that one of the things that you should be doing is encouraging uh, uh, long-term tenures in, in these positions, that you have to give uh, teachers and districts and, and, and state officials uh, the, the cover that they need to stay in place and keep these reforms in place. Uh, if, if you are um, you know, looking, as you say, for, for a quick fix, uh, then, then you know, your, your job tenure is only as good as the next round of test results. Now, your article notes that uh, what's going on in Louisiana has started to receive some attention. Uh, your article, obviously, is an example of that, but we have uh, chief state school officers visiting from other states. Uh, we have the Schusterman Foundation and the Gates Foundation sort of uh, supporting states to engage in similar activity. What uh, are the specific lessons that other states should draw from what Louisiana has been able to accomplish? Well, yeah, patience and, and look at curriculum for starters. And, and by the way, one more to your list of, of Louisiana effects, as it were, uh, that happened after uh, I, I finished work on this article. Chiefs for Change just last week issued a paper written, I think, largely by David Steiner and Ashley Berner at Johns Hopkins, uh, which points to Louisiana, New York, and Massachusetts' uh, success with curriculum-based reforms. So suddenly you have reform organizations like CCSSO, uh, like Chiefs for Change, uh, etc., paying attention 
to uh, what's going on in Louisiana and saying, hey, maybe maybe we should uh, take a look at curriculum. I, I ruefully joke, Marty, that this may be um, you know a variation on the theme raised by, I think, Churchill, who said that Americans can always be counted upon to do the right thing after exhausting all other options. So it's, it's possible that we've just simply grown impatient uh, with the, the, either the, the non-results or the, 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 the slow results that we're getting um, out of other reforms for the last uh, couple of decades, and at long last we are, in fact, getting more curious about what it is that students do all day. Or perhaps it's the case that some of the more structural reforms that have been put into place, including the adoption of the Common Core Standards over the past couple of decades, may have finally uh, pushed policymakers' attention in the right direction, meaning... Classroom. To, to say, I, I think there's some wisdom to that. And also, I mean, let's not forget that standards are not a curriculum. I mean, I've said this like a broken record, uh, but I think uh, you have to conceive of standards, even good standards like Common Core, as something like building codes or auto safety standards. Uh, they, they don't determine what kind of building to build. They don't determine what kind of car you drive. Uh, that's up to architects. That's up to automakers. Um, so, you, you know, on the one hand, as we discussed, there are good reasons for that hands-off approach uh, approach with standards, uh, but it, it is now time to kind of uh, shine the spotlight on what's going on in classrooms and look for areas of dynamism uh, like Louisiana, like certain other districts, and say, hey, what are they doing? Uh, how are they uh, reaching these standards? Uh, and, and the answer is curriculum, of course, uh, but this leads us, one hopes, quickly to a place where we are as uh, concerned and savvy and, and critical consumers of curriculum as we are about some of these other levers. My guest today has been Robert Pondicio, Senior Fellow at the Thomas B. Fordham Institute and Senior Advisor to Democracy Prep Public Schools. His article, Louisiana Threads the Needle on Ed Reform, will appear in the Fall 2017 issue of Education Next and is available now at educationnext.org. Robert, thanks for being part of the podcast. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Marty. You've been listening to the EdNext Podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or another platform so that you don't miss an episode. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It helps us find more listeners and more listeners find us.